Blog Talk Radio. Detroiter does, uh, 
and everything <laughs> like that. So, you know, would always watch games with my dad and with my family and, and whatnot. So, yeah, just really been around sports. And, uh, you know, I, I like to talk, you know. So being a, a singer, I get to use my voice uh, to make music, but then I also like to do it just, you know, I, I like to talk to people. So, you know, going through all of that and everything. So, you know, uh, spinning that forward, you know, in my uh, my everyday life, um, you know, I uh, did uh, – I, um, I work at a high school. So um, a very okay. prominent high school down here in South Florida, uh, and I started a sports blog for them uh, and doing weekly updates and things like that, interviews with recruits and players and coaches and things like that. And uh, then some of my work got picked up by a local uh, blog. Actually, you know, I started my first blog uh, that I did that was not for my own uh, high school team thing. Um, I, I wrote okay. for West Virginia University uh, for one of their oh. blogs. Um because well, I mean, look, you, you can probably put two and two together. Uh, work at Miramar High School, which has put so many players to West Virginia, um, Sedman Bailey I was about and Gino Smith. How'd you and, end up West Virginia? <laughs> right, yeah, you know, I don't know if people were going to think that. So uh, the people who have <laughs> been following me for a while, they do know that. So that's my connection to uh, high school oh. athletics down here. Um, and then I was just thinking, you know, I, I have all this knowledge, or I like to think, or opinion. Uh, if you want to call it that. And, you know, I think that uh, I should be writing stuff on a bigger stage than just something that I cultivated for myself. Uh, and then one of the sure. uh, West Virginia blogs reached out to me and said, hey, we'll take something because, you know, we love our Miramar kids. So I uh, I wrote for them one thing, which is pretty awesome. Uh, the opportunity, I'm not necessarily going to say that the, the piece was the greatest, but uh, I, I enjoyed it and <laughs> I think that it was a strong piece. Uh, and then, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm around these kids, I'm around these recruits, I've been to – so many football games and camps and combines and things, you know, so, uh, and I'm a Miami Hurricane, like I said, from the, the beginning of, of my little spiel. So, you know, I think that uh, I should write about my team, my alma mater that I love so greatly. And, uh, you know, then um, I got the opportunity to do that for changeinsight.com, uh, which is the same website where I, I got connected with Peter Ariz. And if you've been following the coaching hire, he's the one who actually broke that news yesterday. Um, that Mark oh, really? is so it wasn't Dennis our coach. Sports, then. Say again? I'm sorry, I would say, so it wasn't Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone else who had that, um, they, they confirmed it, you know, independently, but the initial report was, uh-huh. um, uh, you know, who I know and everything. So uh, that's where I started, and I was doing, you know, just a bunch of recruiting stuff, having been around, like I said, high school games and camps and combines and players and coaches and things. So doing some of that kind of stuff uh, and following recruiting has always been interesting to me, even before this now digital age of recruiting. When I was growing up in Detroit, I grew up as a Michigan fan. So I would wait till that um, first Thursday in February and I'd get the Detroit news and the Detroit pre pre press and they'd have all the recruiting classes in the newspaper you know, and I cut it out and I look at it and I try to figure out, okay, you know, this kid's a big kid, he plays online, and, you know, we need this, so to see if there's any of those kids coming into the class. So just continuing that forward, you know, even to the NCAA football game and whatnot. So recruiting is a, a passion of mine, so I started doing that. Um, then I got contacted by a former um, managing editor at SB Nation's uh, State of the Youth, um, Lieutenant Philip Nolan. Uh, he reached out to me because he saw some of my recruiting stuff, and uh, I'm very active on Twitter. So he uh, brought me on to augment the coverage that way. And just from that, over the past uh, three and a half years, I've just kind of been writing more stuff and around more things and giving more opinions. And, yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy to me, but uh, I'm about seven months into being co-managing editor 
uh, with my good friend Jerry nice. Steinberg, who's been on at the managing editor level for about a year and a half, two years almost. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we're a credentialed uh, media outlet. I've uh, covered uh, many games with the credentials, been, you know, to the press conferences and media days and things like that. So, uh, really from nothing, you know, just writing about the local high school football team that, uh, you know, I get to see on a daily basis to, uh, you know, blogging uh, for one of the, you know, bigger uh, social or, you know, blogging outlets and everything. And, you know, with uh, these past couple of days, we've actually been towards the top of all of the college blogs in the SB Nation network. So, uh it's uh, it's been a crazy ride. That's cool, man. Hey, that that sounds great. It's one of those things where you know I, I've been, I, I, you know, I tell many people this, but I started blogging as a hobby, and um, you know, just as an outlet, like because and anything else, you know, you go past it to put your thoughts, paper, stuff, just talking junk to your homeboys on the corner, if you will. So it's 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 cool that you got that, man, and you know. Excited for you, and you know, like I said, you uh, you've done good work, and I'm looking forward to reading more more of your stuff. But getting to this news, this 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 uh, this uh, seismic news, if you will, in college sports. Um, Mark Rick, once a Georgia, now back a hurricane again. So you've already showed me how excited you are. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I checked out. Um, you know, like you know, like I said earlier. Um, like the internet is a buzz with with, with with the hashtags up to you, the U is back, blah blah blah. And I know that some Georgia fans were so sad to see him go. Some were like, "Well, he underachieved," as if when averaging ten wins uh, a, a season in the SEC, it's underachieved. But that's not a here nor there. But the point is, how excited do you think the Kings fans should be in terms of you know what could be you know having a proven winner? Like Mark Rick coming back to Miami and hopefully getting the squad back to the glory days of the 80s and early 90s. Um, I think that Kane's fans should be very excited. Oh, and I had to correct you. I mentioned this from the beginning. Uh, and we okay. there's a couple of fans who have started this thing, and it's on T-shirts and things. Uh, so shout out to uh, Will and Jimmy Pumariega for this. Kane's, we're not a nation. We're a family. But it's a Kane's wow. family. Uh, and everything, but our family <laughs> should be uh, very excited uh, about Mark Rick. Um, like I said, he averaged 9.7 wins per year uh, in his 15-year tenure um, at Georgia, and that is something that you definitely cannot say about Miami ever since. Basically, when Larry Coker, his first two years, 2001 and 2002, um, I mean, you and me, you and I could have coached the 2001 team to a national championship. I mean, 38 first-round <laughs> first draft picks, 38, uh, you know, NFLers on that team uh, who, you know, were right. playing heavy rotation snaps, that, you know, whatever. But after those first two years, we haven't had double-digit wins since uh, 2003. Um, you know, and it really started to, to fall off pretty precipitously. So, you know, you're averaging four and five losses. Uh, and things like that. And, yeah, you know, Mark Rick did not win the national championship at Georgia, so let's get that out of the way. He only won three SEC championships, but he got there six times. So let's get that out of the way. Um, in 2002, Georgia went 13-1, and and they would have played for a BCS national championship except for um, the school in the state, South of Michigan, with the, the round letter at the beginning and the end, and Miami both went undefeated in that regular season and played in the Fiesta Bowl for the national championship. So any other year that Georgia team plays for and could 
probably win a national championship because I believe they won that Sugar Bowl by like a million in 2000, uh, you know, New Year's Day 2003. Um, You know, so that was unfortunate for them. Um, A couple of years ago, if they clocked the ball against Alabama instead of four, if anything other than that Aaron Murray pass gets tipped and intercepted, if anything else happens, they probably win that game. And now you're talking about an undefeated Georgia team going into, again, the BCS, uh, you know, championship game. So I get where people are saying that Mark Rick underachieved. Georgia has – it's one of the top four states for recruiting. Uh, You are the big school in that state. So, yeah, you have to fend off some neighboring teams, but you get this amazing talent level. You can find every kind of player. You want elite defensive linemen. You want elite offensive linemen. You want skill position players. You want multi-purpose players. You can find those players in the state of Georgia, and he did. And his recruiting is to an elite level, one of six teams that has more than 50% four- and five-star recruits over his tenure Mm. at the University Mm. of Georgia. And that is uh, what uh, Bud Elliott from SB Nation, one of my colleagues, the national recruiting director, he calls that the blue-chip ratio. And you have to hit that ratio of more than 50% of your team being elite-level four- and five-star recruits to even compete for championships. And Mark Rick does that. His teams at Georgia had that. So bringing it back to the University of Miami, one, you have a guy yes, who sir. had less than nine wins one time. Oh, sorry, two times. He had eight wins once, and he went six and seven one time. And everybody has a down wow. So, okay, cool. So he knows how to win games. He's a guy who is very focused, very organized, ran a top-notch program at the University of Georgia. Obviously, like I just said, can recruit. Right now, Georgia has one of the top three classes in America with him now leaving. Now, could some of those guys go elsewhere, including Miami? Sure, but he can recruit, he can uh, coach, and obviously his players love him. They connect with him. They want to play hard for him. There was a story that just came out today when he had his team meeting today in Athens, Georgia, to tell his team that he was not going to coach them, or his former team now, that he was not going to coach them in a bowl game. Right. They all – Everybody was in the auditorium, and Mark Rick walks in, and they all start throwing up the U. All the players, the U, the U, and they're clapping, no and they're cheering, and they're, yes. and it was like minutes before what? Mark Rick could even get to say goodbye to his team wow. because they're so wow. hyped for him because they care for him so much. You know, and that's the kind of wow, person that you're getting. Wow. That is that's yeah. love right there. For his players, former, now a former player, to throw up the U and be hyped for him. Most of the time, a lot yeah. of guys be, be mad that they're leaving, but, wow, that's love. That is love. That is, wow. Wow. I got right. So, you know, you get all of that, uh, an elite recruiter, a very good game day coach, who, yes, you know, in the last couple of years had a couple struggles beating his big rival teams, but uh, a proven coach who has more wins coming into the University of Miami than the last seven head coaching hires had in their head coaching careers combined when they were hired by the Miami Hurricanes. So we're not necessarily going and trying to get an up-and-comer and make his next step of his career. We're getting an established coach, a coach who knows what he's doing, who knows how to recruit, who knows how to care for his players and to get them to play hard for him. So for me, I, I couldn't be happier, and I don't think that uh, there should be any bound to the level of joy that the Canes fan is feeling right now. Dude, I was gonna say like when you told me that share that story about the football players, they remind me of um, the uh, the head coach of the Georgia's basketball team, 
took some time out and 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 shared some thoughts about him about Rick Lieben, and it was very beautiful. It was it, it was it was it was very beautiful what uh, what he said. Basically, called him a man of integrity and saying that he mm-hmm. would be missed. And it was a sad sad day for Georgia athletics. I thought that was awesome too. So basically, in addition to the man being a winner, uh, Rick is a solid guy from all his purposes. And wow. I'm getting hyped. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't go to you. I was at NC State, and, I, and I'm hyped for y'all. So it's 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 just it's, okay. it's just amazing. So I'll say this. Speaking of speaking of NC State, at least kind of sort of. This adds, in my in my view, to the profile of the ACC. I mean, I always said, and this has always been said by others, that you know, the ACC has has sent the second most. Uh, college students to the NFL behind the SEC. So it's not a talent issue as to why we're perceived as a lower conference than the like the bottom of the pile five, if you will, most years. It's because of coaching. I mean, you only have two to three great coaches in this league, Jimbo Fisher in Florida State, D- Dabo Sweeney, who's still dabbing right now probably at, 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 at Clemson, uh, mm-hmm. And David Cutcliffe at Duke. There's three great coaches. Now you're going to add Mark Rick, and now you're going to have this cat just Justin Fuente in, in at, at at Virginia Tech, which I thought was a great hire for them as well. So yep. So basically, in my opinion, Mark Rick, especially to the ACC Coastal, I think I think the ACC is, is going to be bumped up a few notches. Like and like you know, because like I said, coaching can win you and lose you a lot of games, as you saw with Al Golden. Al Golden brought in the talent, but you couldn't coach him up with a damn. So, basically, do you see with Mark Rick within a few years, as well as the other new hires in in, in the ACC Coastal Division, do you see them pushing the ACC as a whole up the up a few rungs of you in the Power Five hierarchy? I mean, I don't know that we can go any higher than, than second because uh, we're not necessarily going to, to reach the level of the SEC. And I know that the SEC is well, been down and things like that. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I mean, they're, they're getting, you know, the cream of the crop of recruits. You know, if you look at any ratings and metrics and any of those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, but right. it, it, it's the good, the good hires make the conference better. So, like you were talking about Justin Fuente, who we wrote a com uh I actually wrote that article uh with his candidacy uh making a case for him being the coach in Miami. Um so I, you know, thought that he's a good well and you know, let me stop. We wrote fourteen different coaching profiles, so don't necessarily think that the only person I wrote about was Sunday <laughs> and he went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, just saying that he was on the radar. So he's a very good coach. He's gonna bring in a different dynamic offense and with uh that Virginia Tech defense, they're now gonna be scary. You know, that uh that matters. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. So now you bring in Mark Ricks, and like you're talking about, when Miami is good, college football is better. It's the same thing right. like with Michigan. It's the same thing like with Notre Dame. It's the same thing like right. with USC, with all these traditional schools. And I know that Miami's tradition is shorter than a Notre Dame or a Michigan who were down and, you know, it reaches back into the 1800s. Uh, but still, in the recent era, it, the Miami Hurricanes are, are college football royalty. So when our program is better, college football as a whole is better. 
And like you're talking about, right. it's going to make the ACC conference better. Because right now the conference is very unbalanced. You have Clemson, who is the number one team in America this year, which is why I said them first, and then Florida State on the Atlantic side. And then, you know, which are two elite teams in college football. And then you look to the coastal right. side, and everybody before the year is saying, okay, we're going to try to see if all those teams on the coastal side of the ACC can end up 4-4 four and four in conference again, which is just middling, mm. you know, everybody beats everybody right. and nobody's really great. And, you know, Miami has this talent. We have this desire. We have this history of greatness that we're not necessarily uh, reaching. Well, we not necessarily, that we're definitely not reaching for the past decade or more. And you bring in a Mark Ricks who's a proven winner, a proven recruiter, and now all of a sudden the profile, the excitement, all these things picks up greatly. And, okay, cool. I mean, if you look at the games that have been televised on ESPN, I believe even as we're speaking right now, three of the top five ESPN games ever feature the Miami Hurricanes. And one of those mm-hmm. was uh, two years ago when Miami went to number seven in America with that kind of fluky 6-0 and start before going to Tallahassee. Uh, that year when they won the national championship, uh, the 2013 team, when they were just a beast, uh, you know, getting everybody badly. Um, that was one of the most watched games ever, and we weren't that good. You know, everybody's talking about right. Miami is not relevant. You're conflating issues. Not being good is one thing. Not being relevant, if it ever looks like Miami's kind of sort of good, we get on national television. We get a 3.30, 8 o'clock national game. Because everybody wants to see, and I know that some people, the Miami Hurricanes program is a lot like Skip Bayless in that people love to hate. No, I'm not talking about what we talk about or how we do it, but people hate watch first take because they want to be mad at what Skip Bayless says. Instead of just turning it off, they said, no, okay, I'm going to turn it on uh, at 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, ESPN2 and whatever, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to write them an email, I'm going to tweet at them, I'm going to comment about Skip Bayless, because deep down they love that connection. They love feeling that anger. It's the same thing with Miami. If you even look back to this year's Duke game, the Duke game, which we had 23 penalties, more than any team (laughs) in, like, the history of the ACC, I mean, all kinds of just bad call after bad call, stealing the referees, taking our victory away from us. And then we had that return, and everybody wants to say overturn this. What are you talking about? It was, I mean, the CBS Morning News, uh, NBC Nightly News. I mean, the Today Show. It was everywhere. (laughs) BBC National World News, they had talked about it on their sports segment. Why? Because it's the Miami Hurricanes, and we still matter even when we're not good. And – you know, if you just every show on ESPN, every show on Fox Sports One, everybody was talking about that game. Now imagine if we were good. Imagine what that would be if, like, the next week when Nebraska beat Michigan State on that game when they clearly were out of bounds and that was a terrible call in the same mm-hmm. kind of way. And nobody yeah. cared about that, but that's an undefeated Michigan State team who was in line for a top two playoff spot at the time. That's a game that mattered, and nobody said anything. You have an inconsequential game with teams that are five and three, and or yeah, they're both five and three teams at the time in the in the, in, in, in the ACC, and that game got national and international coverage. Why? Because people love to hate the University of Miami because no matter what they say, we're a relevant program even when we're not good. So now with Mark Rick, and we can trend upwards with recruiting and with our on-field performance, oh, there's going to be a lot of people hating me. 
and I love it. <laughs> you know what, though? I meant to tell you this earlier in the, in the podcast, but in full disclosure, no, I'm originally from Brooklyn, uh, New York. That's where my mother's from. But my mother's okay. side of the family originated from Tallahassee, Florida. And you know oh. what that means. <laughs> I, I know what that means. Dude, dude my great-grandmother's house sat on the hill when she was alive. And when the leaves would change, when the leaves would fall, I mean, granted, mm-hmm. most of my brothers went to family, you know, Florida A&M. But you could literally see Florida State's campus from her house. And the fact oh, wow. that um, my you know my father when, when he used to run a lot, he would take us to Florida State's campus and they'll run a rubber track, and they'll mm-hmm. run like some of the athletes would come run a track. So basically, what I'm saying is, I grew up a big fan of Florida State football because of that okay. connection, which meant that, and I'm probably a little bit older than you, but you know, because because this was all in the '80s and like like most of the '80s, which mm-hmm. meant that. I did not like Miami at all when I was a kid, until, until when I saw those thirty for thirties, like 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 this part one of the U. It caused me mm-hmm. to have more respect for y'all in the sense of where y'all came from as a program, right? Yeah. Due to Howard Schellenberger, to pre, like pretty much Jimmy Johnson, and then Darius Erickson just taking out the stratosphere, um, you know, and plus a part two with what. Bush Davis was on his way to doing, but he and the move that he regretted many years later, like left for like for the Cleveland Browns for some reason. But I have a lot. Well, of I mean, y'all. yeah, but you, you know, you're getting more money, and if you're a really right, upwardly yeah. mobile coach, you have aspirations yeah. for the NFL. And he was the coach in the NFL before coming back to the yeah, University of Miami. Johnson, so, yeah. You know that one wasn't so crazy. You know uh, mm-hmm. to, to be like un, un, you know, just completely outside of the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the thing is, is that I'm I'm excited for y'all. I'm excited for the profile of the conference, like the possibility. I mean, because to your point, Rick owns the state of Georgia. I mean, let, I mean, let's just call it for what it is. He owns the state of Georgia, like from a recruiting standpoint. He was so great. I mean, you know, Todd Gurley is from North Carolina, and that's where I grew up, you know, after, after, after the whole New York thing. And, you know, for him to pluck Gurley out of, out of, out of UNC and NC State's backyard and right. be able to take his career to the stratosphere, like he's doing the thing now for, like, for St. Louis Rams, you know, he's, he, he's a great recruiter. I mean, and you can imagine if he – you know he's going to take control of those three counties in South Florida – you know, like you know what they are, um, and you know, I, I just think I, I'm just salivating at the possibilities for, for like for y'all. I mean, I'd be wor- I'm, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a bit worried about the possibilities of going against the likes of Florida State and my alma mater, NC State. But nevertheless, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for your, for like, like, like for the school experience. But uh, let me ask you this question, and this is kind of related, but kind of not. Do you think that Mark Rick's presence would help the University of Miami build a football stadium near or around campus? Oh, <laughs> the stadium question. Okay. Yeah, well, the stadium question. I, you knew I was going to go there. I, mean, I didn't think we were going to get there right away, but, uh, that you know, we, we can do that. And, you know, uh, this is something that uh, a lot of people <laughs> are interested in, obviously, because, 
of the the pageantry of college football is basically built around the fact that it is community based and it is campus based. So, um, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I grew up in Michigan and I would go to the big house to watch a game and it's right in the middle of oh it's on you know on campus in Ann Arbor, you know, right next to Chrysler Arena where the Fab Five plays basketball right. and I would go watch those games. If you go to right. East Lansing, you know, Spartan Stadium is right there. If you go to Tallahassee, you know, Doug Campbell's right there. You go to Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, you know, all these most of these places, it, it goes with on campus stadium. So I get where the, the connection comes from. Um, the first point that I'll say on this, when I went to college at the University of Miami, I knew a guy who was from Coral Gables, and uh, his father was on the city um, council or whatever uh, in Coral Gables. And it was told to me by this young gentleman that I went to college with that there's basically been uh, generations of pass it down, as it were, in the Coral Gables City Council, where any new person on the council kind of just have several resolutions that um, are known to be uh, the the very first one is basically that they will not ever zone for an on-campus football stadium uh, in Coral Gables. And Mm. when you think about it, Coral Gables is southwest of the city of Miami. It's a a very affluent suburb. It's, it's, uh, It's people have an idea of what Boca Raton is like. If you've seen the Golden Girls, you know, it's kind of uh, a little bit uh, older neighborhoods, uh, you know, expensive kind of homes and gardens and things like that. That's Coral Gables. If you've ever seen... You're going in and out of me. Still Cam? Cam? I think he's having phone issues. Cam, you still there, brother? Ah, ah, he he dropped. So hopefully he'll dial back in. But that was a good conversation he had about uh, about Miami's state situation because I just I wonder, you know, I mean, I mean they play at Sunlight Stadium. Okay, he's back now. So let me get him back in. Uh, Cam, you there, brother? Okay, still trying to patch him in. Still patching him in. Oh, boy, I hope this works. But anyway, uh, while this patching him in, yep. Yeah, I'm here. Sam, you there? Okay, good. Great, great. Thank thank God. Okay, because we're having a great conversation. We're going to keep going. But you were saying about the stadium situation in Coral Gables? Right. Um, So what I was basically going to say is they're never going to zone for that – the the on campus stadium and as I was saying um, the hotel uh, from Bad Boys the Biltmore is a very you know five star lush hotel that's a three minute ride from campus um, you know so it's it's not your hip hop kind of urban place it's not this really <laughs> it's a smaller right. kind of town so they didn't they don't want the infrastructural um, changes that would come with the on-campus stadium. Um, that means okay. more traffic. That means more right. security. That means police. So we now have to pay police for all the little neighboring towns, Coconut Grove, South Miami, you know, whoever, to come over and help out with, you know, all the policing and the, all those kind of things that go with an on-campus stadium. The Bank United Center, the basketball stadium, they've been fundraising for that for about 30 years, and that finally got finished my senior year of college because they didn't even want to have a 12,000-seat basketball arena. 
on campus in wow. Coral Gables. So think wow. about a 60,000-seat football stadium the tech and all the, you know, all those things that go with that, the city of Gables is never going to basically go for that because they would, you know, the, the tax level is high, so those very wealthy and affluent people pay their taxes at a very high, you know, property tax rate in that city. So they're, you know, very much saying, this is what we want, this is what we're going to accept, and this is what it's going to be. So you can pretty much forget about the conversation going any other way. And that's perfectly fine. There are some areas where there could be a, a stadium closer to campus, um, mm-hmm. Obviously, David Beckham was talking about making uh, um, a soccer stadium or building a soccer stadium right next to Marlins Park, which is on the exact yes. location that the Orange Bowl once stood. Um, mm-hmm. He has pretty much abandoned that idea and is looking at private land, uh, but that is a location. There's a, a Miami-Dade County Park that is not far away from campus. Uh, it's called Tropical Park. Is where we have Santa's Enchanted Forest, our South Florida take on Christmas time, basically. Um, and mm-hmm. there is a a smaller high school kind of size stadium. You're talking, you know, seven thousand maximum capacity. That uh, you know is at uh, Tropical Park. A lot of people want their uh, the stadium to be there because it is really pretty much the perfect location. I just don't ever see the University of Miami getting that land from Miami-Dade Parks and Recreation to build it there. Uh, And other than that, you would probably be looking maybe a little bit further away uh, for something. So, uh, you know, it's it's just like one of the things when I get asked, so what are the chances question on Twitter or on the the blog? Are there chances? Yes. I will say that there is no chance for an on-campus stadium. You can forget about that. Is there a chance okay, that yeah. there could be a stadium somewhere else in Dade County that's closer to campus than Sun Life Stadium? I think there is a chance. I'm just not sure how much of a chance or how long it would take for that chance to turn into reality. Gotcha, gotcha. So do you see, I mean, because after all, the Canes play in a pro stadium, even though it's yep. like out, like 45 minutes away, 34 minutes away from campus. But do you see that as a that big of a deterrent, I guess, from, like, fans going out to the game there or, I mean, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that, you know, while they were at the Orange Bowl, the old Orange Bowl, that is, the crowds, they were they were big, but they weren't all that great either, even during the Glorious, right? Yeah, I mean, Miami is an event city. It gets up okay. to a big event. So, uh, on a Saturday in September with a 12 o'clock noon kick, just you yourself from North Carolina think about all the things that you could get into in Miami, Florida, that you would rather right. do than sit in a stadium and watch football at 12 o'clock noon. You can go to South Beach. You can stay on South Beach. You can go to Fort Lauderdale Beach. You can go out to, you know, you can do There's so many different things you can do. Um, so if it's not a event, you're not going to really get that big of a crowd, and that has run true for, you know, many, many years in Florida. I don't necessarily right. think that the – of the stadium is that big insofar as the the mediocre quality field is the right. thing. So, you know, I personally yeah. live in Broward County, uh, in the Fort Lauderdale County area. Um, I live maybe a 10-minute, 12-minute drive on Surface Street to the stadium. So for me, it's fairly close. For all of those people who live in the Miami Gardens, Miramar, um, Parapine, that near-lying area, it's closer mm-hmm. at Sun Life Stadium than it was at um, 
you know, down south. You had people from, you know, West Palm Beach and Delray Beach coming down from up north. You know, it's closer to be at sunlight than so there's excess and ability. I just really think that it's the fact that the team hasn't been very good. And Miami is, like I said, it's an event town. So, you know, it is a pro stadium that's getting more upgrades after this season. Uh, the first upgrades were uh, in last offseason. The second round of upgrades is this offseason. So it's a wonderful facility. Uh, it's really a great experience. It's becoming a game day experience. But I really think that when the team and when there are more events, because the 2014 Florida State game, Oh, my goodness. You mm-hmm. couldn't hear yourself think. It was packed to the brim. I mean, it, that was that game where we were up, you know, 26 and, you know, ended up losing that game. Uh, but that game, <laughs> and South Florida came out for that event. So if we can have a better team that all of a sudden now uh, makes games not just something that makes it an event, there will be people there. Well, let me ask you this because – I mean, I know there's some people, some quote-unquote experts in the media who like to, I guess, I don't want to say bash, but what the hell, bash is like Miami, like in the sense that they won't, didn't think they'd be able to pay for a good coach, let alone one like Mark Rick. But mm-hmm. I heard that they, he's about to be getting paid around $4 mil per year, which is around the same that he was making at Georgia. So it's not like y'all hurting for cash. So I guess... I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this question. I, I guess. I guess my question is: It's a so it's a matter of you know, as long as Mark Rick is allowed to hire his assistants, some assistants to help take Miami back to where it used to be. Um, do you think that they would be using spending more money towards possibly building the stadium not on campus, actually not on campus, but around campus, close to <laughs> campus? Or do you think that as long as they're winning, that that They'll be, they'll, 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 uh, I guess administration would think that they will draw more students, more fans, bigger crowds to the to the, to I guess Sunlight Stadium. I guess in the short term and in the long term, I guess. Well, you know, we have another. I don't even know. Seventeen years on our lease at Stadium. We signed a thirty-year lease when we went in there, uh, so it's not like it's a. It's a medium-term thing. It's not super long-term, but, I mean, think about it. You you get a 30-year mortgage on your home, and we're almost halfway through our 30-year lease. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's going to stay like it is. The report okay. that before Pierre Ayers came up with the report, which, uh, you know, is, was true that it was going to be our next head coach, the last hurdle was him saying he needed – a larger allotment of money for his staff than right. what Miami came in on. It was the last Ooh. sticking point in negotiations. And he won that back from all reports that he said, you know, you're offered for, I'm just going to throw out what the numbers are. But for example, they, Miami came and said, we're going to give you $2 million. And he came back and said, no, I need 3.5 or whatever the number was, and they eventually, after some back and forth, Miami said, you know what, if that's what it's going to take to get done, I'm done. And said, nice. Miami has money. It is a – I pay my college loans, loans still on the 14th of every month. So, you know, <laughs> through tuition, which is 60 thousand dollars a year, through ticket sales, through donations, through whatever, we have money. Right. 
I mean, that's the thing. So, and, and so I, I just wanted to clarify that for those folks out there who tend to believe the hype that Miami is not as robust financially as, say, like a Florida State or U of Florida or other major programs around the country. Be, like, because I always thought it was like a big fallacy. But, uh, but anyway, um, I think we lost him again because of their phone connection. So we'll try one more time. So hopefully the third time is a charm. So you back, brother? Yeah, I'm here. It's raining down by my house, so I'm trying to go to another location where the connection ah. might be better. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah, um, okay. But I'm just going to pick right back up. Miami has money and is yes. spending it on the staff, and that's great. Um, I think that the main thing really is not the profitability of the football program because we are profitable, especially being in the ACC and getting the bowl allotment and the TV money, um, you know, divided and everything. But really, if the if the football team wins games, everything else will take care of itself. Yes, yes, and I do believe that because I do remember in the U part one or thirty for thirty when they were winning in like like in the eighties, how student enrollment like went through the roof. And that led to more money and more more everything for the school, more notoriety. And so I think that happened once again. And I'm looking forward to that 30 for 30 part three where Mark Rick is seen as possibly the savior of this program because I, I do think, and I don't know what your expectations are, but I think it probably won't happen. It would be unfair to expect it to happen right away. But I think sooner rather than later that – He's going to get Miami to at least nine to ten wins every year again, and I wouldn't be surprised if he'll pull up Mark uh, Jim Harbaugh and have those boys really competitive next season as well in this first season. Yeah, and I agree with that. But you know, let, let's let's talk about that. Why is it okay? This team is already eight and four, and right four of those wins came with an interim head coach. So basically, you're talking about a team with no coach. Oh, and Okay, let me not do that because Larry Scott, our interim head coach, who's our full-time tight ends coach right now, he, did, he has done a fantastic job as the interim coach. Yes, he but has. Yes, you, he didn't, has. you didn't even need a great head coach to get to eight wins. This team has right. talent. This is a top 15 roster in America. You have Brad Kaya, who's a superstar at quarterback. He's going to come back for his right. junior year. You have a stable of running backs. You have Joseph Yearby, who's going to be a, a junior. You have Mark Walton, who's going to be a sophomore. If Gus Edwards comes back, who's our leading rusher, or presumed to be leading rusher heading into this year, who missed the season with a foot injury. Now you have um, your, what was that, the Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown and Brandon Jacobs that year at, um, at Auburn before Brandon Jacobs was transferred right. out. You have that kind of three backs plus the fact we have a four-star kid named Travis Homer committed, and then we have this super speedster named Jawan Hamilton from South Dade High School committed. Then you have receivers of all kinds around. You have an offensive line, which to this year was bad, but there's talent there, and they can step up. You have plenty of talent on defense. You have Chad Thomas, who's a five-star kid, uh, and a uh, Under Armour All-American. He's going to be a junior. You have Al-Qadden Muhammad, who was a U.S. Army All-American. He'll be a redshirt junior if he comes back to size not to go to the league. I mean, there's talent at every level of this team. So you yeah. bring in some recruits, you coach them up a little bit. It's not outside of the realm of possibilities that this is a 10-win team right away next year with proper leadership because what we're seeing is Al Golden was not that proper. Uh, the, the process was not proper. 
for him. And he, Al Golden is a process-based person, and he would say that to a fault. Trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. But what – I'm a process-based person as well. But the difference between me and Al Golden, if the result is not the result that you want, you have to change the process to get to a proper result. Al Golden right, says, exactly. no, I'm going to leave the process exactly the same, and all of a sudden the result is going to change, which we know is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. So now if you exactly. bring in a Mark Rick exactly. with this kind of talent that we're talking about, like I said, the top 15 roster on talent alone, it could easily be a 9-10 win season with minimal work, especially like we're talking about going against ACC Coastal teams that – Frankly, are not that great. Right, right. It's crapshoot every year. It's, it's a crapshoot every year. It's like put everybody in the hat, throwing the hell up in the air. Whoever comes down first, it's a champ. So <laughs> it's a coastal champ. That, I mean, that's how. It's been I mean, that's what it's been recently. Yeah. So, I, dude, again, I really am excited for your Canes. I never thought I'd say him. I say that as a Florida State guy through and through. But I love it. But but I love it. I'm sorry. I, mean, I was just saying that? that I love it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I was losing you. But yeah, but having finally having a coach there, and and and, and speaking of Mark Rick, I mean the thing, one thing that Al Golden refused to do that Al, that that Rick is planning on doing is bringing back the old guys. Yeah. From the '80s and the '90s, he said it's been reported. He said that he's going to bring back a lot of those former players. To stand around the sidelines, be around the program, to mentor some of these kids, and that's one thing. Again, Al Gordon refused to do, and that's one of many reasons why he alienated himself from those players from the glory years who could be potential donors and you know mentors. I mean, it's it's, it's great that Rick has learned from that mistake because he's a king and and he gets that. So it's good to see that as as as, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's uh, one of the things. Like I said, this is and well, it's this is a family. It, we're a small town school of eighty five hundred undergrads. You know, um, our alumni base is infinitely smaller than you know a Florida State, which turns out you know fifteen, eighteen thousand graduates a year. We're putting out three thousand, maybe graduates mm-hmm. a year. You know, and. It's, it's always been a family thing. All those guys back through the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, even, you know, up until uh, Al Golden was hired, they come back and work out at the U, you know. I mean, they just I, – I remember uh, Calais Campbell. He was a redshirt. Uh, my sophomore year, he was a freshman when he redshirted when he came in from Colorado, six foot eight. Six foot nine and about two hundred and ten pounds rail thin, and they said we're going to pack pounds on you. And you know what he did when he was working out his redshirt year? He worked out with Warren Sapp because Warren Sapp would come by sometimes and he'd say, "Hey, let me work with you," because it, this is what they do. You know, you want to talk about wow. all those running backs who are there? You know, yes. I mean, they come back. You have a Clinton Portis and you have a Frank Gore and you have well, Will McGahee and all those guys. Who better to teach these running backs now about being a pro, about raising the level of your game than these guys who have done it? And there's a number of them at every position. It's a great thing. We're a small, close-knit family, and bringing that kind of family feel back, not alienating yourself from the past, but embracing the elements of it that can help you be successful in the future, I think that that's so big, and people are overlooking that. 
I'm just thinking of the first time when Ray Lewis steps in that locker room to oh, give yeah. those boys a pep talk or be around a be around practice, having the likes of Andre Johnson, Ed Reed. I mean, it's, Michael it's, Irvin. It's, it's, it's going to be great. Michael, exactly. You know, you know the playmaker. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, uh, Lamar Thomas, all those cats. I mean. Wow. Well, not him because, you know, he's a college coach somewhere else right now. But I get your oh, point. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's still a Louisville, I think. I almost, I almost forgot right. about that. I almost forgot about that. But nevertheless, point being right. that a lot of those guys coming back, the possibility of having them on the sidelines mentoring these kids, being around these kids at practice, and so the kids can pick their brains, that's, 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 that's one big thing that I'll go to miss out on. And it's good yep. to see that Rick is going to do that for you guys because he understands it's a family. And that, I think that's going to really help you all a lot next year. A whole right, lot but then if, if you look at the, not to cut you off, but the other point of it, if no. you're actually working, if you have a Stacey yes. Coley who, I, when I saw him in high school, I thought that he was going to be the number one player in America. This kid is phenomenal. His talent, you saw that leaping catch against Florida State for the touchdown. This kid can do it all. So now you get Andre Johnson coming back, Reggie Wayne, and talking about, okay, cool, this is a pro move for a release. This is a pro move at the top of this route to give you extra separation. Yo, that's, that's immediately transferable to the football field in a tangible way. So it's not right. just, oh, you know, uh, the intangible camaraderie and family and everything. Dude, these guys are elite-level professionals. Santana, I mean, these guys can be, a lot of them are going to be NFL Hall of Famers. Who would you rather learn from the technique to play the game at an elite level than somebody who's demonstrated it at this and further levels? Come on, man. Yeah, you sound like uh, Chris Carter. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, real talk is real talk. Exactly. Hey, man, this has been fun. I I, I know you got to run, but I'll be following you on Twitter. I'll be following you on SavvyU. And, and check him out, y'all, on SBNation.com as well. you got a lot of talented writers writing for the state of the U as well. Thank you so much, Cam. We'll do this again real soon, I promise you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on, man. It was a lot of fun. You got to take care, brother. All right. All right, peace. That's 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 that's, uh, that's Cam Underwood talking about the state of the U. I mean, that was a lot of fun. I mean, you could tell, you could sense the excitement from the Kane's family about Mark Rick coming back to Coach Miami, being back to the performance land, which, again, to, to, to Cam's point, they were 8-win team this season, half the year with an interim, with an interim coach. I mean, at least half, a, half, a, half the eight wins came under the interim coach. You can imagine what a proven winner like Mark Witt would do for that program in the upcoming seasons. So, as a Florida State fan, I don't, I don't like that, but hey, as I said earlier, well, college football is good with the Miami Hurricanes, along with Michigan and Northern, well, they're good as well. So anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. So thank you all for listening. This is Scott Brooks with the Clown Hour. About to sign off. Good old six and good night. <laughs>